Praise the Lord, everyone. God is so awesome. I want to get right into the word today, and I hope everyone can hear me okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm going to start today in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. And I'm going to read, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but uh, we'll start at the first two verses that read, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming and the son of man will be delivered up to be crucified. So, you know, Jesus knew in advance why he was here on this earth. Jesus knew that he was on the verge of being crucified. And that's not news to most of you, but I want to, I want to point that out because you, don't, you never know. You don't know. Someone may be a new believer. Someone may not even be a believer who's listening. Jesus knew the, that he was going to die for us. He knew that he was going to be crucified, and he willingly embraced that. And we're going to find out why as we move along. I want to skip up to verse 17 of chapter 26, and it says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. So he's reiterating that he knows he's going to be crucified and he knows this is his time. My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, you have said so. So not only did Jesus know he was to be crucified. And not only did he know that his time to be crucified was at hand, but he also knew that he was to be betrayed. Oh, I'm sorry, ladies, you'll have to stay in your vehicles. We want to make sure. Yes. Oh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. All right, God bless you as well. Thank y'all. So not only did he know that he was going to be crucified, not only did he know that his time to be crucified was at hand, but he also knew that one of his closest 
companions, one of his disciples was going to betray him. He knew all of this and willingly walked the road. He walked the path that was set before him. fully embracing it along the way. And you know that begs the question why? Because human nature would would cause us to want to be afraid of paying the ultimate price for something that we did, let alone for something that others did. And yet Jesus willingly embraced it. And you know Jesus offers us Jesus offers us a clue. There's one verse I want you to go to John 18, verse 11. I won't read that entire passage for the sake of time, but I will, I will share this. The die had been cast. The deed had been done. Judas had betrayed the Lord. And so after this betrayal, he comes with the soldiers. They come to apprehend Jesus. And Peter... Once the disciples realized what was going on, they went into defensive mode to try and protect Jesus. And, G- and, and, and Peter takes out a sword and cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. And Jesus, instead of celebrating and, and encouraging the guy who tried to defend his life, Jesus reprimanded him. Imagine that. He reprimanded the man who tried to save his life from being harmed. Jesus said in verse 11, he said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And I want to speak that to you, and I want to encourage you in that way. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the Father to the point of death. And when he learned, and when, when he knew of what his calling was, He was to suffer, bleed, and die for the sins of man. He fully embraced that. The Bible says in Hebrews, he did it for the joy that was set before him. Hebrews 12, 2. He endured the cross, despising its shame. There was a joy involved in it. But he says, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? There is bitter drink in this cup. This is a cup of suffering. This is a cup of pain. This is a cup of death. And and despite the fact that I know the contents of this cup, because it is what my father has called me to, I must drink of that cup. I don't want to be saved. I don't want to avoid the call of God on my life. I want to walk the path that God has marked out for me because I want God to be glorified and, and Jesus understood that if I die, that if I die and raise again, then that's going to pay the penalty fully for the sin of man, and man can have peace with God. Amen? And so, and so Jesus, he wanted to drink that cup, that cup of suffering, that cup of pain, that cup of death. And we all know We've been to enough Easter services, and, and we've read about the cross. We've heard about the cross. We know the, the passion of Christ. We know what he suffered.
And scripture says, yet he opened not his mouth in Isaiah 53. Jesus was was lied on. The very people who cheered for him, who waved the palm leaves as he entered on the donkey, are, are some of those very people were the ones who railroaded him and lied on him and was cheering unto him, and it was cheering for him to be crucified. They were saying, crucify him. So he was betrayed, not only by Judas, but he was betrayed by many of the people he just loved on and tried to serve. Think about that. We all know the feeling of when we poured ourselves into someone's lives, when we've given ourselves fully to them, and to have that person throw it in our face or, or to have that person show no appreciation for it. If you've experienced that, you know how deep that wound can cut. And yet here is our Lord and Savior, knowing all this is going to happen, and he says, I want that cup. I want to drink it. It's going to be painful for me, but it's going to be an awesome blessing for mankind. And so Jesus endured scorn. He endured mockery. He endured being beaten beyond recognition. He endured being stripped of his clothing, the indignity of that in public view. He endured his flesh being torn to pieces. And he hung on that cross being flanked by two common criminals. He hung on that cross like a common criminal. And finally, His last two comments while on the cross. You know what? I want to back up for a second. This Jesus who willingly took that cup, who resolved in the Garden of Gethsemane when he asked God if there's any other way, he says, but not my will but thine be done. He said, you know what? I'm committed to this, Lord. I know you're a good God, Heavenly Father. If there's another way, you'll tell me. If there's not, then I'm committed to obey you even unto death. But despite all the mockery, despite all the shame, despite all the humiliation, despite all the suffering and pain, and and despite the impending death, what did his first thing he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I want to encourage you out there today, y'all. That's the love of our Savior, that he would forgive. Now, imagine this. He's hanging on the cross. He's in the midst, the heart of his suffering. He's suffering not only physically, but he's suffering mentally. He's suffering emotionally, deep wound scars, some of which have come from the ones that are closest to him. His disciples scattered. They ran, they let. They left him alone in that time. So in the middle of his abandonment, in the middle of his betrayal, 
in the middle of being railroaded into a false conviction, in the middle of suffering and pain, he models for us forgiveness. He shows us that it's possible. Even in the midst of your tears, even in the midst of your sobs, even in the midst of pain you never thought imaginable, God will give you the grace to obey him in the suffering. He'll give you grace to be able to love the one that hurts you. He'll give you grace to be able to forgive the person that betrayed you, the one that despitefully misused you. That's That, that grace is there. And Jesus, before he goes to the right hand of the Father, he is still modeling for us how to walk in this freedom he's dying to give us. Amen? And so, He finally, he says, it is finished. And he says to the Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he dropped his head and he died. Our Savior died, not for his own sins, not for any wrong that he did, but for the sins of mankind, our sins. He died for us. Because the wages of sin is death. death sin must be paid for. And he became our innocent lamb, the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for willingly taking, embracing, and drinking of the cup that the Heavenly Father gave you. Because if you had not done that, I would not be standing here with the hope that I have. I would not be standing here a child of God. I would not be standing here a redeemed, blood-bought son of God. But because you drank that cup, you took it, you embraced it, you drank of it, we are all here blessed. We are all counted amongst the beloved of God. We are all children, sons and daughters of Almighty God. And and we are just so, so grateful. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. Jesus died. I want you to try and imagine for a moment how his disciples and all the people whose lives he touched who believed that he was the Messiah, you know, that he came from God. This guy, this guy shared life with us. He infused us with hope and life. We thought he was going to be king. We thought he was going to, we thought he was going to usurp the Roman government and establish the kingdom of God here. There was so much hope wrapped up in him and now all hope is gone because he's dead. That's why the disciples were 
were, were sad and, 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 and huddled up discreetly. Yeah, partly out of fear, but also out of despair. Everything they hoped for as they watched him do all these miracles, as they watched him do unbelievable things, as they watched him walk on water and, and curse fig trees and open blinded eyes and make the lame to walk, cast demons out of the demoniac. He did all these amazing things that surely this is the son of God. Surely nothing can happen to him. And now he's dead and their hope is dashed. He tried to tell them that he had to die, but that his death wouldn't be permanent. He would rise again, but they did not understand it. And so they were in despair. And so out of that despair and out of that sadness brings us to chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 1. Here's where the good news begins to come into play. Matthew 28, starting at the first verse, it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Say, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Hallelujah. He is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now you know, Mary, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 16 verse 9 tells us that uh, Jesus cast seven demons out of her, totally transformed her life, totally turned it around. That's the kind of impact that Jesus had. He cared enough to see people where they were at. He cared enough to intervene when a woman caught in adultery was about to be stoned to death. He cared enough when a man who had been lame for 38 years at, at the pool of Bethesda to, 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 to make him able to walk again and to carry his mat. He, he, he cared when there was a man that nobody could handle in the tomb of the Gadarenes that was possessed by a legion of demons, and he came and, and healed that man, delivered him from all those demons, and the man was in his right mind and gave testimony of Jesus. This is our God. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Mary, it's no surprise to me that Mary Magdalene was one of the women that went to the tomb very early before the break of dawn to anoint him. 
to minister to him. She loved him that much. I don't know about you. I'm not trying to go into a tomb and, and rub ointment on a dead body. You know, uh, uh, that, that's not a love that I am familiar with, at least from inside of me. But, but, but this woman had no problem doing that for Jesus. That's the depth of his love and the impact of his love on her life. And you know, I'm sitting here, I'm standing here and I'm preaching to you, but I have my own testimonies of the, of, of the depth of the impact that he's had on my life. I was, I was going down a dark road. I was going the wrong way in life. But God navigated the path of my life and drew me to him as only he could and totally wrecked and transformed my life. And, and, and I could have easily been a statistic. And I probably should have been a statistic. But Jesus had other plans for me. Amen? Jesus intervened. And, 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 and gave me purpose and let me know that I had kingdom purpose. Let me know that I had value I didn't believe I had. So in that way, I can relate to Mary Magdalene. But there's something about getting up early, even before the roosters crow. Getting up early and, and, and spending that intimate, quiet time with the Lord. There's something about starting your day, giving him the first fruits of your day, and just saying, Lord, as, as Pastor Dale has always said, I will awaken the dawn with your praise. And it's, it's, it's in those moments where, where, where the Lord can really speak to us and, and, and reveal deep and intimate things that that. That, that, that can really, really bless our hearts. And so these two women got the treat. They were there while others were sulking. They were hurting too. They were, their hearts were burdened. They were grieving. And yet, it didn't stop them from getting up early in the morning and going to want to minister to Jesus. And because they did so, they were the first to know that he had risen. That's awesome. They were the first to know that he had risen. They had spoken to the angel and the Lord greeted them and told them to go tell his disciples. Uh, verse 16 of chapter 28. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus rose again with all authority, not just authority on earth, but in heaven and in earth. And I want to remind you, we have a great commission for him to go make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. Children of God, we are to observe all that he has commanded, not just the parts that we like. We, 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 we can't just 
turn the page and avoid the scriptures that we don't like. We have to be all in and be willing to be obedient to God, even to the death of those things that we might enjoy, but we know are not pleasing to him. Then as we are walking in the way of the Lord, we can truly say someone follow me as I follow Christ and they will be following in the way of the Lord, not in the flawed way of man. But that is why Jesus died. He died for us. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So that says here, Jesus saved us from the wrath of God. And I don't know about you, I am so at peace, I am so overjoyed, I am so excited that when my days are finally done on this earth, I'm not having to fear the wrath of God. I can celebrate my home going to be with the Lord and I can receive my inheritance that Jesus won for me, that Jesus' blood on that cross paid for me because he died for us, not just died, but rose again on the third day. You and I have a hope. You and I have the salvation of the Lord. Amen. You and I will live forever in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I will conclude with 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance. Now this is, I'm telling you what, he's raising us, he, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable that is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know, I, I'm reminded of, 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 of words to a song when uh, Steve Urban was leaving, uh, leading worship and I was on the worship team. And I read, and I thought about, I thought about this song, That's Why We Praise Him, when I was reading 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. And I was like, that's why we praise him. 
That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we worship and bow to this king because he gave his everything. Amen? Amen. That's why we worship him. That's why we praise him. So, Lord, that is why. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this king. Because he gave his everything. And Lord, we just come for you, Lord, and we just thank you so much. We praise you. We bow before you humbly and with thanksgiving. You loved us, Lord, when we didn't love you. You loved us knowing that many of us would reject the gift that you died and suffered to give us the gift of salvation. We thank you for your unfailing love, for your amazing grace, your wonderful mercy. Thank you, Lord that we were your joy, that we were the joy that was set before you. Seeing us reconciled at peace with God, seeing us reconciled with you was the joy that caused you to endure the cross. And as gory and as awful and as painful as that experience was for you, being reconciled with us was a greater joy for you than this suffering. You thought it was greater. You, you, you. You, you basically told us relationship with us was of greater importance and of greater weight and of greater meaning than all that you suffered at that cross. And so we want to thank you. We love you because you first loved us. And Father, I just pray that we would embrace and drink of whatever cup that you give of us, that we would follow in the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and drink the cup that God has for us, even if that cup has a little bitter drink in it, even if it has a little strong drink in it, even if it, you know, even if it's, if, if, if it's a little too hot, Father God, we're going to be obedient unto death. We're going to be obedient completely and totally, Father God, in honor of our King who was obedient unto death for our salvation.
And so we honor you, Father. We give you glory and praise in, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we may as well go uh, right into uh, communion. Uh, I'm going to give each of you a couple of minutes to get your communion elements uh, situated. Thank you, ladies, for uh, getting my communion stuff ready. Hallelujah. We've now come into our time for our communion service. Hallelujah. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me partake. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, as we partook of the communion elements which symbolize your body which was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us. Father God, we are humbly, humbly thankful that you gave us your only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And you didn't send him here to condemn us, but that we might be saved through him. What a great salvation we enjoy as a result of his broken body, his shed blood, but most of all, his resurrection on the third day. 
on Resurrection Day. We are so grateful. We say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. We bless you, Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> to God be the glory for the great things he has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The worship team is going to continue to play. They're going to play us out, y'all. And I just want to thank you guys. It's a little bit dreary out here. It's a little bit rainy. But you know what? It's beautiful. From this vantage point, it's beautiful. I'm seeing flags waving. I'm seeing hands raised and clapping and, and horns honking. And, and, and it's just all kinds of goodness going on. And, and I just know the Lord is smiling <laughs> uh, right now. And so... And so they're going to continue to play, um, and we're going to go ahead and allow everyone to file out. That concludes the service, y'all. Um, I've been tremendously blessed. This has been a great time in the Lord, and, and, and I really hope and pray that you have too. And so God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your Resurrection Day Sunday. I love you guys very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>